It's good to see everyone again this morning. I apologize uh, that there's no uh, refreshments and no breakfast, but Lufum Sara Agro, that means our Schar of Tamil Torah, then will, will be greater. But uh, I'd like to discuss this morning the topic of the halachic date line and the Yom Tov of Shavuos, and we'll see, according to some at least, they might have a unique relationship. But as we know, uh, a person moves east across the world, it continues to get later and later. For example, a close example is California is three hours earlier than we are, Chicago is an hour earlier than we are, and then uh, London is five hours later, Eretz Yisrael is seven hours later, Hong Kong is 12 hours later than us, Sydney, Australia is 14 hours later. The problem is, if you continue to go east around the world, uh, then Hawaii will be 18 hours later than we are, and then you'll hit back in California, which will be 21 hours later than we are. And how could California uh, be... 21 hours later than we are, but at the same time, three hours earlier. And that dilemma is what uh, obviously uh, necessitates the need for a dateline. There must be something that is obvious, that there has to be uh, a point in the world where the day begins and and the day ends. The question is, does the Gemara, does the Duchazal address this in any place? That's why we're a little light on the Mar Mekaymas here this morning, because it's a machlekas whether there are any Mar Mekaymas uh, for this sugya. But the one sugya that might address this is a Gemara in Mesechlis Rosh Hashanah, where the Gemara tells us in the Avchofim Abayz, at least according to Rashi, two halachas with regards to Kiddush HaChodesh. One halacha is, the first halacha that's mentioned over here on the first line, It has to be, this is the way Rashi understood it, that the night and the day are part of the same chaydish, which means if you see the old moon at night, uh, then you cannot, be, you cannot see the new moon the following day, during the day, and, and be makadish the chaydish, because since the night was part of the old month, uh, the next day cannot be part of the new month, because as Rashi says, they both have to be part of the same month. Second line of Rashi. If you see it on the night of the 30th, you can't be Makadish the following day because you saw the old moon the night before. Then the Gemara tells us a second halacha, which is on the third line over here in the Gemara Rosh Hashanah. There are 24 hours where the moon is not visible between the old month and the new month. And the Gemara says, in Eretz Yisrael, eight, uh, I'm sorry, eight of those hours, no, no, six of those hours are from the new month. Eight of those hours where the moon is not visible is from the old month. Okay, what is that relevant for? So the Gemara says, well, if we make a cheshben based on our calculations of when the mailud will be, so the Gemara says, if based on our cheshben the mailud will be before Chatzos Hayoim in Eretz Yisrael, well, then it's possible to see the new moon before the Shkia. Because there's eight, 24 hours where the moon is not visible between the old month and the new month. Six hours of that are from the new month. And I would say 18 of those hours where the moon is not visible is attributed to the old month. So that means six, the, at the earliest, in every Israel, six hours after the Milad will be the first time you'll be able to see the new moon. Because it's 24 hours when it's not visible, six from the new month. At earliest, so the Gemara says, if you make a cheshbon based on when, when the Milad will be, that it should be before Chatzais Hayyam and Eretz, still you'll be able to see the new month before the Shkia. If the new moon before the Shkia, if it will be after Chatzais Hayyam, you'll not be able to see the new moon before the Shkia. Those are the two halachas that Rashi understood from this Gemara. Rashi already was aware of the inherent problem of uh, the, having both of these halachas taught. 
because one, uh, ob- one removes the necessity for the other. Once we say that there's 24 hours where the moon is not visible, yes, uh, we understand 18 hours attributed to the old month, 6 hours attributed to the new month, but then why do you have to tell me if you see the old moon at night, you cannot be Makadish the new moon during the day? It can't be that you'll see the new moon during the day because there's 24 hours where the moon is not visible between the old moon, uh, old month, and the new month. So Rashi, yes, in the, uh, the third line of here in Rashi, in time of Pshita day in Makachin. Of course, if you saw the old moon at night, you can't be Makadish the new moon during the day. There's 24 hours where the moon is not visible. So Rashi's Pshat in the Gemara is difficult. Because of that, the Balamar, the Sefer Kuzari, in uh, Maimer Beis, Perek Chof, I didn't give you the Balamar, it's so lengthy, but they both interpret the Gemara in a different way, that it's addressing specifically, not two separate halachas, it's addressing this halacha of the date line. And that is, the Gemara is telling us, there has to be, when you're Makadish the Chaydish in Eretz Yisrael, a point in the world where it will be Rosh Chaydish from the Shkia to the Shkia. If you want to be Makadish Chaydish in Eretz Yisrael, there still has to be a point in the world where it will be Rosh Chaydish from Shkia to Shkia. Well, at what point, if I'll be Makadish the Chaydish in Eretz Yisrael, will there be somewhere else in the world where it will be Rosh Chaydish from Shkia to Shkia? So the Gemara says, that will be if the Mailad is before Chatzayis Hayoyim in Eretz Yisrael. If it's before Chatzayis Hayoyim in Eretz Yisrael, there'll be somewhere on the other side of the world where it will be Rosh Chaydish from Shkia to Shkia. If Rosh Chaydish, if the Mailad is after Shkia, after, I'm sorry, Chatzayis Hayoyim in Eretz Yisrael, after uh, noon, so then it's already too late, there will never be a place, there won't be a place uh, in the world where it will be Rosh Chaydish from Shkia to Shkia. In other words, the Gemara is telling us that the day starts uh, six hours to the east, or 90 degrees east of Yerushalayim. Because when Ramakadish the Chaydesh, before Chatzayis Hayoyim, in Eretz Yisrael, there's still 18 hours left where it could, uh, we could have a place in the world. We'll be Rosh Chaydesh from Shkia to Shkia. But after Chatzayis Hayoyim, we won't have, uh, it will be already too late. There won't be a place in the world where it will be uh, Rosh Chaydesh from Shkia to Shkia. So the Gemara is telling us when it said 18 hours, is from the, the previous month, six hours is from the new month, what the Gemara is really telling us is that the date line is 90 degrees east uh, of Yerushalayim, or what would be 125 degrees east longitude from, from Greenwich, England. Because Rosh Chaydesh, in order to be declared as Rosh Chaydesh, has to be that there's somewhere in the world where it is Rosh Chaydesh from Shkia to Shkia, and that, the Gemara tells us, is at uh, the cutoff, is at Chatzai Sayyim, at noon in Eretz Yisrael. This might uh, serve as the basis for a minog that's quoted by the Ariha Kodesh that many are familiar with when it comes to Yom Kippur, when the Mishnah Bura discusses in Hilchas Yom Kippur, uh, the minog of uh, going to the mikvah before Yom Kippur, some Rishonim hold us a mitzvah midday rice, Hashem titaru, before the day of HaKadosh Baruch we should go to the mikvah. So the Mishnah Bura quotes in the name of the Ariha Kodesh, you should not go before Chatzayis Hayoyim and Erev Yom Kippur, which creates a mad rush, right? After in Yeshiva communities that are aware of this, a mad rush after Chatzayis Hayoyim and Erev Yom Kippur instead of staggering it throughout the day. Why Chatzayis Hayoyim? Why does it have to be after? The Ariha Kodesh doesn't quote the reason. So some say the reason is, well, along the lines of this Gemara, that the Ari held that in order to go to the mikvah to prepare for Yom Kippur, there has to be Kedushos Yom Kippur somewhere in the world already. So when in Eretz Yisrael will there be Kedushas Yom Kippur? When will Yom Kippur occur? When is the first place in the world to welcome in Yom Kippur? Uh, it's going to be uh, six hours to the east of Yushalayim, which means 
in Yerushalayim, when's the first moment that Kedushas Yom Kippur exists in the world? Is at Chatzais Hayoyim, it's at noon. So therefore, already Kedushas Yom Kippur exists within the world. If that's the Pshat and the Ari, and that's why then you could go to the Mikvah, because then you could prepare for Yom Kippur properly, because Kedushas Yom Kippur exists within the world, so that shouldn't apply in America, because by already, uh, by, by dawn, there's Kedushas Yom Kippur uh, somewhere in the world, there's already Chatzais in Eretz Yisrael. So in America, then, according to that understanding of the Ari, you should be able to go to the mikvah already from the morning on Erev Yom Kippur. But according to the Balamor, according to the Sefer Kuzari, this Gemara is addressing uh, exactly this issue. When does the day begin? And the Gemara tells us that it begins uh, six hours uh, to the east of Yerushalayim, which would put it uh, 90 degrees east of Yerushalayim. And there is uh, another Gemara, perhaps, which supports this position of the Balamor and the Chsam Sefer. I'm sorry, with the Balamor and the Sefer Kuzari. And that is the Gemara Mesechtas Kiddushin. The Gemara tells us in Mesechtas Kiddushin, comment on the, on the Pasuk, in, in Parsha Shoftim, When you have a Shail in Halacha, you should get up and go to the place which the Kaddish Baruch was chosen, the Beis Hamikdash. They ask your Shail to the Beis in Hagodol. So says the Gemara, This teaches us that the Beis Hamikdash well, Yushalayim is taller than the rest of Eretz Yisrael. That's why it's Vikamta Valisa. You should go up. Then the Gemara tells us Eretz Yisrael is Eretz Yisrael is also uh, taller than the other uh, other parts of the world, which is based on the pasuk in Sefer Yirmiyahu. Mitzrayim. At the time of the Gula Sida, no one will say anymore that how great was a Kaddish Baruch Hu who brought us out, who lifted us up out of Mitzrayim and brought us to Eretz Yisrael. So you see that uh, coming out of Mitzrayim was a going up to Eretz Yisrael. So Eretz Yisrael is taller, is higher than the rest of the world, and even within Eretz Yisrael, Yerushalayim is taller, is higher than the rest of Eretz Yisrael. This is the Pshat as well in the Gemara, in the Mishnah, Mesech Tzubis, and the Kuf where the Mishnah tells us that either spouse can compel uh, the other spouse to move to Eretz Yisrael. Hakol malin Eretz Yisrael. And neither one can compel the other one to move out. They can compel the other one to move to Eretz Yisrael. And even within Eretz Yisrael, hakol malin Yushalayim. Either one of the spouses can compel the other one to move you to, to Yushalayim. If Sam Seifer explains in his Shuvah and Simon Reish Lamedalin that you see from here that there's a greater mitzvah, of, as we know, to live in Eretz Yisrael than in Chutz Laaretz, but even within Eretz Yisrael there's a greater mitzvah to live in Yerushalayim than in the rest of Eretz Yisrael, based on this Mishnah, that one spouse could compel the other spouse to move to Yerushalayim. That's why the Sam Seifer writes in his Jerusha uh, Samparshas Emar that that was why an earthquake, a terrible, catastrophic earthquake occurred in the year 1837, was because uh, the people of Tzvas, which was where they really became the, uh, the center of the terror world in that time, was uh, eclipsing Yerushalayim. And he says, people forgot already about the Hashivas of Yerushalayim. So he says, uh, and there's a unique mitzvah to, to attribute to that Hashivas, even a unique mitzvah even perhaps of living in Yerushalayim over the rest of Eretz Yisrael. And because they didn't attribute that proper significance to it, so that's why uh, the, the, that, the terrible uh, earthquake occurred. So this is all based on this mission in Ksubis, that Yerushalayim is uh, higher than the rest of Eretz Yisrael, that Eretz Yisrael is higher, is taller than the rest of the world. But what does this mean? Is this supposed to be taken literally? That uh, Yerushalayim is really the highest elevation point in Eretz Yisrael? So the Radvaz writes in the Tshuva, yes, Yerushalayim is the highest elevation point in Eretz Yisrael. Ah, but we see it's not the case. We see that the Harabais is not the tallest place in Eretz Yisrael. 
So Radvah says that's because Yushalayim was destroyed so many times that they, as the Pasuk says in the Sefer, uh, as in Sefer Tehillim, in Al Naharos Babel, that, uh, what's the Pasuk? The Pasuk is Zechal of Nei Adaim, Es Yom Yushalayim, Ha'emrim Aru Aru Adi Yasaiba, that they uh, dug. Aru Aru, they dug underneath, they excavated so much the Harabais because it was destroyed so many times that it became lower down to the foundation. But initially, he says, the Harabais was the tallest elevation point in Eretz Israel. It really means Yushalayim was taller than the rest of Eretz Israel. The problem with that is, the Pasuk also says in Sefer Tehillim, Yushalayim Harim Savivla, that there were mountains surrounding Yushalayim, which implies that Yushalayim was lower than its even surrounding mountains. So the, the shot of the Radvaz is difficult. But even more than that, the Gemara also says, Eretz Yisrael's Gavoyam Mikol Aratzis. Eretz Yisrael is the highest elevation point in the world, but obviously that is not the case. So how do we understand this Gemara? Uh-huh, right, so the Marashah explains on that, uh, that Gemara, it's also found in that Shuvah that from the Chesam Sefer and Sumer Reish Lamedawad, that this refers uh, to, uh, to what is our perspective, what is our priorities. See, where the globe is a sphere, is around the... Round. So, what's the top? What's the bottom? So, what's the top and the bottom of the sphere? Well, so it depends how you hold it, how you position it. You could hold it like this, and then the top is, uh, the, you know, over here. You hold it like this, the top is over here. How are we supposed to position the world? What's our priorities? You know, what's most important to us? So the Gemara is telling us that that's at the top, the North Pole, and then the very tip of the North Pole, where our world exists, is Yerushalayim. That's the top. That's how it should be positioned in our mind and our list of priorities. Yushalayim is above Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Yisrael above the rest of the world, and that's why the Psalm Cypher says it's a mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael, a mitzvah to live even beyond that in Yushalayim. That's how we position the world in our list of priorities. If that's the case, presumably then one could argue, and some do, that that was the position that the world was created, you know, that the world uh, was in at the time of Bria Asylum. If that's the ideal, the paradigm, presumably that's where the, the way the world existed at the moment of Bria Asylum was Yerushalayim and Eretz Yisrael was on top. What does on top mean? Closest to the sun, presumably. So if on top means closest to the sun, what time was it in Eretz Yisrael at the time of Bria Asylum was noon. That's when, you know, in the middle of the day, that's when uh, that point of the world is closest to the sun. If that's the case, so then, uh, when, uh, when was, the, where is the, uh, the date line? Well, then it should be uh, six hours uh, to the east of Eretz Yisrael would be, if you would continue with the day, that's where, uh, that's where the, the day would conclude. As you go east, it gets later and later. So six hours to the east of Eretz Yisrael would be uh, midnight. Or would be, I'm sorry, would be Shkia. 180 degrees from Eretz Yisrael would be midnight. So if that's the case, so then the, the date line, at the time of Bria Asylum, the day began 90 degrees to the east of Yushalayim, which, which, which uh, would place it at 125 degrees east longitude. How do we know it's Because if Eretz Yisrael is the top, Eretz Yisrael is the way we position the world. What does top mean? Closest to the sun. Probably. Otherwise, what's the bottom, what's the top? You're in space. Space is a, isn't the an top abyss. Zero, isn't the top the zero, zero? We're not talking about the top being Greenwich. We're talking the top of the sphere, when you look at the globe, the top Correct. is zero, zero. It's not... So you're not on, one, on line 125. Because the, word, the world is on an angle. Yeah. Okay, but forgetting about that yeah, for the moment. <laughs> exactly. Put that aside for the moment. <laughs> you're saying the axis. <laughs> the problem. Oh, yeah, but leave that aside for the moment. Actually, the top of the world should have been the one directly opposite. It's the gravitational pull of everything on the earth to the sun. 
the top of the world should be exactly What about Eretz Yisrael Gavoyah So what about that? Okay. <laughs> a loose connection, we understand, but uh, perhaps an indication nonetheless. So that would place, if you just look at the map on the, on the other side, and at least it reinforces the Balamoris Pshat and Agamar Rosh Hashanah. So that would place uh, the date line right uh, in the middle of Australia and in between uh, Japan and China would cut in the middle of the so what uh, you know was the Siberia Soviet Union. That's where uh, the date line would run according uh, to the Balamor, and that was the opinion of the Chazanish and the Briskerov. Is that that's where the that's where the date line should be is ninety degrees east of Yushalayim, like the opinion of the Balamor and the Sefer Kuzari. Oh, so the problem is, here it cuts right through Australia. So the Briskerov held that, uh, the, that uh, you could have such a s- scenario where on one side of the street will be uh, Shabbos, the other side of the street will be Friday. Or the other side of the street will be uh, Sunday. And Briskerov held that that was indeed the halacha. 24-hour difference. However, the Chazanish held that uh, it cannot be that that's the case. It, it cannot be that the dayline cuts right through a landmass. So the Chazanish developed on his own a principle that the dayline, while it goes at 90 degrees east of Yushalayim, it goes around the landmasses. So uh, everything that's closest to Eretz Yisrael gets slept along with Eretz Yisrael. So the, all of Australia, the dayline would uh, go around the coast, the eastern coast of Australia, and that would all be Nigrar Acher Eretz Yisrael. So to the uh, Siberia, would be Nigra Eretz Yisrael. It cannot be. It cannot be that it should cut right in the middle of a landmass. It would mean that Japan would be on the other side of the uh, Japan, New Zealand, the, would be uh, certain islands in the Philippines and the Pacific would be on the other side of the uh, date line according to the Chazanish. But it cannot be that it cuts through a landmass. It could be that that machleik is between the Chazanish. What? Because it goes based, Eretz Yisrael was the priority. So instead of schlepping all of Australia to the west, which you could have made that argument, the Chazanish was coming from the perspective that Eretz Yisrael is the center, so everything gets like magnetic pull, everything gets schlepped along to Eretz Yisrael. This machlekes between the Chazanish and the Briskerov could be a hashkafic uh, machlekes. Could you have such a thing, you know, that the uh, dateline cuts right through a landmass, on one side of the street it's Sunday, on the other side of the street it's Shabbos, you know, it might depend on your perspective of halacha in general. For example, there's a machlekes when it comes to trumas and meisers. If you have a fruit that uh, hasn't had trumas and meisers separated from it, so then we know that that's called tevel. And if you eat it, you have chorus. How do you remove the Easter tevel? Mafis trumas and meisers. What if you take the fruit and change the form that it's in? For example, I take oranges, make orange juice. So what is the status of the orange juice? Orange juice is usher. It's not the fruit itself. The fruit was the orange. But the orange juice... Is Yoitimina Asr Asr. The Gemara tells us in Masechlis Bechiris and Avavah Mabez, not only from the fact that the Isr against the camel was repeated twice in the Chumash, once in Parshashmini, once in Parshas Re'eh. Why say twice that the camel is Asr to teach us not only is the camel Asr, but the milk from the camel is Asr too? Because whatever comes, whatever emanates from something which is Asr, is Asr as well. So this orange juice that emanated from the orange, which was Tevel, is also prohibited. Yoitimina Asr Asr. Fine. What is the status then now of this orange juice that's made that you haven't been mafresh, trumas, and maestros? So it's yaitzimina asar asar. Can I be mafresh from the orange juice to relieve, to remove the iser of tevel? Or yaitzimina asar asar? So the briskerov held no. This is not an iser tevel, you know, the primary iser tevel. This is a derivative of the iser tevel. It's a yaitzimina asar asar. There's no halacha of being mafresh, trumas, and maestros that could relieve an iser of yaitzimina asar asar. There's a halacha of mafresh, trumas, and maestros that could relieve an iser tevel, 
But this is the derivative of the Easter Tevel. So, Briska Rav held you could have orange juice, which is also the Easter Tevel, but you can do nothing with it. You can't, you can't fix it. It's stuck. And Chazanish argues it cannot be that there is a, an item in the world which is also be Easter Tevel that you can't fix it. How can it be that you can't uh, fix it by being Mafish Shumas and Isis? Oranges and oranges. How about orange juice and oranges? That's what they're discussing. Briska Rav held no. Yes, because that's not an Easter Tevel. Fundamentally, it's an Easter Yitzman Asa Asa. There's no halakha of Mafras Trumas and Maisras to be Matar in Easter Yitzman Asa Asa. Or when it comes to Klisheni, there's a famous Machlaikas as well. The Gemara tells us in the Mesech the Shabbos and the Mamebeis that Klisheni ain't a Mavasho. If you have a primary place where the water is cooked, the urn, and then I put the water into a cup, the cup is called the Klisheni. So the Gemara says Klisheni ain't a Mavasho, I could put cold water into the cup, it won't get cooked. Not into a klirishon where the water was cooked, but klisheni, klisheni in a mavasho. But the Gemara also quotes one opinion that salt, uncooked salt, cannot be put into a klisheni because salt, according to one opinion in the Gemara, is very delicate. It's what we call kale habishon. Will even get cooked in a klisheni. So the Gemara says salt might get cooked in a klisheni. It's one opinion, like that. It's quoted in Shulchan Aruch too. Salt might get cooked in a klisheni. We know water does not get cooked in a klisheni. What about everything else in the world that's not water, that's not salt? Does it get cooked in a klisheni or not? So the Magen Avram says, we don't know. You have to ask her everything. In the world, presumably, it might be kale habishol, just like salt. Water, he can't, the Gemara says, you can put water in a klisheni. But anything that's not water, you have to be klisheni to kale habishol. So the Chazanish disagrees. Why do you take that perspective, that everything in the world is us until proven mutter? He says, maybe we should take the perspective that everything is not Kali Abishal except for salt. Salt, we know, is Kali Abishal. Everything else, maybe not. So it might depend, this machlaikis, with regards to whether the date line cuts right through, uh, you know, Yikav Adina Sahar cuts right through uh, a landmass or not, might depend on your perspective on, uh, on halacha in general. But that both the Chazanish and the Briskirov agree that the date line should uh, be at 90 degrees east of Yushalayim, which would mean that Japan would be on the other side of the date line. So uh, during the war years, when the Jews ran away to, uh, and ended up in Japan. So this Shiloh became very relevant. So they sent the Shiloh to Eretz Yisrael. What day should, uh, is Shabbos? Which, uh, what, what side of the date line are they on? And the Chazanish issued his opinion that they were on the other side of the date line because it's not connected to the landmass of China and the date line runs right in between Japan and China. So they were on the other side of the date line. But at that time, Rabbi Togachinsky, who was a major Pisik in Eretz Yisrael, the author of the Gesher Achaim, convened a uh, convention of Rabbanim with Rabbi Herzog and many others, and they uh, concluded, not like the Chazanish, not like the Balamar, because Rashi has a different shot in that Gemara. It's not referring to the date line, it's two separate halachas with regards to Kiddush HaChadosh. And uh, they concluded differently. They concluded, well, Eretz Yisrael is Gavaya Mikola Arotzis, Eretz Yisrael is at the top, Okay, that's the way we should position the globe. So the date line should be furthest away from us as possible. 180 degrees from Yerushalayim. Just like Lahavdil uh, Lagoyim put, where did they put the date line? They were Koveas Manim in Greenwich, England. So where did they put the date line? 180 degrees from us. Wherever it is, it's as far away from us as possible. So the, along those same lines, uh, Rabbi Tokachinsky felt, since Eretz Yisrael was the top, the date line must be on the other side. As far away from Yerushalayim as possible. So he put it at 180 degrees uh, from Eretz Yisrael, which would put it at 140. Where is that? 120. No, 100 and... 
140 degrees, no, 145 degrees west longitude, which is over here on the map if you flip the page. 145 degrees west longitude, which would put it right in the middle of Alaska between California and Hawaii. That's where he put it. So for Japan, it worked out well. They were able to keep Shabbos in the, on the day that they observed as, uh, that the Goyim treated as Shabbos. But uh, for, the, for, uh, for other reasons, for those who traveled to Hawaii or the, the uh, further points in Alaska, so Rabbi Togachinsky's uh, position is the one that creates problems. Because according to him, uh, Hawaii is, uh, is on the other side of the date line than California. So that's, uh, Tukhachinsky also held that it goes around the landmass, not that it cuts through the landmass. Everyone subscribed to that part, so it goes around Alaska, but it would create a problem uh, for Hawaii. That was the second opinion. There was a third opinion in Paiskim at the time, which was the opinion of Rabbi Pesach Frank and that of Issa Zalman Meltzer, that since we have no Makairis in the Gemara uh, uh, for, for either Shita or no compelling Makar, that we should follow whatever the Minig HaMakom is. And that was based on the Gemara Masech the Shabbos, well known, where the Gemara tells us in the Afsam of Pesimabes, Hamahalach Bemidbar, a person's walking in the desert, he doesn't know when Shabbos is, any day or Amos or Shabbos, he should count six days and keep Shabbos on the seventh day. And the Radvaz already brings this up in a Shiloh where he was asked, how could it be, not exactly our issue, but how could it be that in Eretz Yisrael it's Shabbos, seven hours before it's Shabbos in New York? How could it be in one part of the world is Shabbos, the other part of the world is not Shabbos? So Advan says it's not a problem because the Pasuk says by Shabbos, Ki ois hi it's a, an ice between me and you. And he writes on the third line, Every place in the world keeps Shabbos based on their, uh, the way that they calculate Shabbos, meaning based on their, the sunset and the uh, sunrise in, in that place. So, so too, some have evoked that principle here as well, that when it comes to being Kaveya the date, uh, the date line, we should go based on whatever the Minig HaMokom was. I like the person who's traveling in the Midbar. So whatever the Minig HaMokom is, to treat as a Saturday, that should be, uh, for halachic purposes as well, should be treated as Shabbos. What becomes an issue is uh, places that switch the Mokka, the Minig. When Alaska was sold in 1867 uh, from, from Russia to the United States, so they switched the day, which they, uh, they switched to which side of the date line they were on. They used to be uh, after the Ru- Russia, because that was the part of the country they were, they were uh, associated with. Now, part of the world they were associated with. Now, they, when they were sold in 1867, they switched which, uh, which day of the week they considered to be, uh, to, to be Shabbos. Or Samoa, everyone knows, in the 2011. Not American Samoa, but the other part of Samoa, which is not, on the, not a colony of the United States. So they switched which day, they, uh, which day, which side of the day line they were on. They used to do most of their business with the United States, and they began to do most of their business with Asia. So in order to make it more convenient, in 2011, they switched the side of the date line that they're on. So how does the halacha react to that? Uh, whatever the minigam makam is. But you, so you, you switch the minigam makam? You can't do that. Whatever you establish as the minigam makam is the minigam makam. So that becomes uh, problematic, perhaps, according to that position. Okay, so we have three sheetas, bottom line. Where is the, where is the date line? According to the Chazanish and the Brisky Rav, it's at 90 degrees east of, uh, Eretz, east of Yushalayim, accounting for the fact that it goes around land masses. According to Rabbi Targachinsky, it's at 140 degrees west longitude or 180 degrees from Yushalayim, which puts it somewhere in between California and Hawaii, right in the middle of Alaska. And then some held we should follow the Minigal Island, which was 180 degrees from Greenwich, England, which is the international, uh, the international date line. So, so how should we be knowing? Like? If someone goes to Hawaii, he has to keep 
Oh, so many Paiskim held already when uh, the yeshivas were in, Eret- were in uh, Japan during that period of the time in the war, that the psaq that they were given by Rasim Chazelik, by others, was to be machmer for both shitas, at least when it comes to deiraisas, to be machmer for both shitas, both that of Rabbi Targachinsky and the Chazanish. Now, in truth, there, are, there isn't that, there isn't because we're gonna, no, one, no one held like the Briskarov, or I mean, the Briskarov held like the Briskarov, but the Lomaisa, no one is cheshish for that opinion that it should cut through the middle of a landmass. So it really only has a ramification for a person who's going to spend Shabbos in Japan or you're going to spend Shabbos in Hawaii. Because even if you're in Alaska or you're in parts of Australia, most held went around the landmass. That was agreed upon by the Chinsi and the So it's only to spend Shabbos in Hawaii or in Japan, then you'll have to be cheshish for two days, uh, two days Shabbos. Or New Zealand, correct, right, if you're in one of these places. Uh, so, but the problem is, according to the you will run into a problem if you're on a cruise or you're flying out of Australia back to the United States on Sunday. Because, even according to the Chazanish, that it goes around the landmass, but once you fly out of the landmass over the water, so now immediately you flew out of Sunday back into Shabbos. Because, according to the Chazanish, you just crossed back the dateline into... So, you, so to fly out of Australia into Shabbos, you would not be able to do malacha on the plane until the sun set. Some hold you're not allowed to get on the plane in the first place, but many hold you're allowed to get on the plane, just you can't do it. Right now it's Sunday, but once you're on the plane, you're not supposed to do any malacha until you see uh, the sun set. You watch, you can see the sun set on the plane, because you flew back from Sunday uh, into Shabbos. Or to sp- on a cruise in Alaska, if you'll get off, uh, you walk off the landmass onto the boat, so then you might be in a different day than was on the landmass, and you have to, you have to account for that. But where most people, but it would be a problem to be in Japan, Hawaii, New Zealand for Shabbos, according to many Paiskim. Those who live in these places are not Chayshish for this, but those who travel to these places, Chayshish uh, to keep, uh, to keep uh, two days, at least when it comes to Deiraisas, at least when it comes uh, to keep the Deiraisas of Shabbos. What about a person, though? Huh? You did Australia. Australia. So I went around, that goes around the landmass. And then we, I'm going back now, and we're going, I'm going to be in Hawaii, but I'm leaving Hawaii. Before Shkia on Thursdays, uh, no Shiloh. I practice what I preach, and I'm leaving <laughs> Australia after the Shkia on Sunday. Can you do two days of only the license? Which day do you hold, like, the Kum? It's also the Kula. You have to do Kiddush, Bolchas, those are the Rabbanans. Oh, Kiddush. No, but it's a Chukasa Yeah. So someone told me a chop, and if you're in Hawaii for Shabbos, so Hawaii, it's not Shabbos Sunday. In Australia, it's like as if it's what they call Shabbos or Sunday. In Hawaii, they, they're no like California, so it's a Shiloh Friday Shabbos. Someone told me you make early Shabbos. You don't make Kiddush Friday now, whatever. Make early Shabbos. If you make early Shabbos, so then maybe you can make Kiddush. You can make Kiddush. You'd be Yotze Kiddush for both days. If Friday is Shabbos, you, you may make Kiddush on Friday. If, if, if uh, Shabbos is Shabbos, so you make Kiddush early, you have to even make early Shabbos. Mm-hmm. I know, all eights But I look at I wouldn't spend Shabbos in um, you're traveling and you're just on, you know, you know, no compelling reason to be there. I wouldn't uh, spend Shabbos in Hawaii, New Zealand, or, or Japan. But what does happen is people do have a, a lot of reason to travel and cross over the date line. So what then is the ramifications with regards to other halachas? So it's generally assumed within the Paiskim that there are certain halachas that depend on my personal day, uh, you know, my counting of 24 hours from the sunset to the sunrise, or in some halachas that depend on the calendaric date. For example, if I eat a meal 
and then cross over the date line, no one will say you're not obligated to bench because the day has passed since you ate. Or if you went to the bathroom and then you, 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 know, you crossed over the date line, you don't have to say Asher Everyone holds those halachas depend on your personal day. And at the same, by the same, uh, same token, uh, everyone agrees that eating matzah on the 15th of Nisan depends on the calendaric date, not on your, you know, how many days have passed for you. Or the sitting in the sukkah or hearing the shayfar and Rosh Hashanah, all those depend on the calendaric date. What about other halachas, like uh, bris milah, eight days for bris milah, pirina ben, for bar mitzvah, all of these, does it depend on my personal day or calendaric date? So for example, if Chaim Kanievsky holds the eight days for bris milah, for pirina ben, for bar mitzvah, all depends on the calendaric date. The date, from eight days from the day that the baby is born, that's the day of the bris milah, not to the fact that the, he's literally gone through 24-hour periods of time. Why? Because the halacha changes the reality. Just like the Yushami tells us in Masech Ksubis that a girl who has relations before three years old, the Basulim are chayzrim, uh, and if it's after she's three years old, the Basulim are not chayzrim, but if Chazal make a Shanum Uberes that year, then the Basulim are chayzrim for an extra month. Because, uh, because reality, Metzius, is dictated by the halacha, not the reverse. So, so too argues of Chaim Kenevsky, all of these halachas depend on the halacha, whatever the day is, not the fact that 24 hours have passed. Rabbi Yashiv disagrees. The bris milah and the pidin aben depend on how many days have passed for the child. Our mitzvah, everyone agrees, is, uh, is based on the calendar date. But let's say shivanakiyim. A woman is uh, traveling and she's counting shivanakiyim. Or seven days of avelos, a person goes to bury a mace, crosses over the date line. So Rabbi Yashiv holds that depends on your days. Or kula, but usually going to be a chumrah. Or yard site, though, everyone holds that depends on on uh, the calendaric date. What about davening, though? Davening. I daven on the plane, the shachris, I cross over the date line. You have to daven again. So again, machlekes, uh, to according to Rebbe Yashav, it depends on your personal day. So you daven when you see the sun rise, you daven mincha when it looks like, you know, after chatzais hayoyim, you daven mariv when, uh, when the sun sets. You don't have to worry about what side of the date line you're on. And Shlomo Zalman held that it uh, depends on the, the calendaric date. You have to daven once a day, every day. It depends on what, day, uh, what, what calendaric date you're in. So then you have to what can be concerned when you cross the date line, perhaps you have to daven again. I think that might depend on a machlekes rishonim, about when, what the nature of Chiyuv Tefillah is. According to the Rambam, you're obligated to daven, when I have a personal, uh, a personal dilemma, I have to daven to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. So it depends on me. So if I davened once in this uh, sunset, the sunrise, I already uh, davened to Kaddish Baruch for my dilemma today. But according to the Ramban, that tefillah is a mitzvah mid once a day, every day, uh, the daven, or three times a day, every day, to daven, so then uh, it might depend on the, uh, on the calendaric date. But on a gale in Yoneinu, what about Sfira Sa'imer? Sfira Sa'imer depend on the calendaric date or on my personal uh, counting? See, the opinion of Sternbach in the Chuvas von Hagas is it depends on my personal counting, not on the date line. So if you cross the date line, it doesn't matter. You count 49 sunsets, to, you know, sunset to sunset. And Roshomah Zalman, Rav Moshe, all held, Rav Yashiv, all held that it goes based on the calendaric date. Again, I think that might depend on the Machlechus Rishonim, as we know, by Sphiris Haimer. The opinion of the Bahagi is that if you miss one day, so then you cannot continue to count with a bracha because it's supposed to be a series, a progression of counting. I'm supposed to have a progression of counting. One, two, three. If I miss a day, my uh, progression has been broken. 
but perhaps that relates to me, that I should have accounting, so it depends on my sunset to sunset. But uh, according to Rabbeinu Tam, that every, you can make a bracha, even if you miss a day, you can continue to count the bracha every day as its own mitzvah. So then if that's the case, it should probably depend on the calendaric date that you have to count that day on that day. It would depend on what day of, the, what day of uh, Sviras HaEmer it is. Taking the position of Rav Sternbach even one step further, that it goes based on my counting, Sviras HaEmer, the Lubavitch Rebbe held. It's printed in the Lukute Sichus, Parshas Emor, and, and in many other places, the Lubavitch Rebbe held. They're not only Sviras HaEmer determined based on my counting, I don't care, it doesn't matter whether I cross the date line or not. Shavuos also depends on my personal counting. So if I cross the date line and I'm off from counting in a different way than where I am, not only will I be counting Sviras HaEmer in a different uh, counting than the place where I'm at, but I will also have Shavuos on a different day because Shavuos is the 50th day of uh, Sviras HaEmer, no matter where, no matter what the calendaric date is. It depends on 50 days from the second day Pesach that I have counted. So Bavitcher Rebbe held you could have a different day Shavuos uh, than everybody else, and he said, "Look in the in the I'm sorry in the Chumash, it never mentions a specific date for Shavuos. Machleik is in the Gemara. Is it Hey Sivan, Vav Sivan, Zayin Sivan? Might depend on the year. The Magen Avraham already notes it doesn't really correspond to this Man Matan Tarasenu historically. So you know, Bavitcher Rebbe says so. Then there's no date in the Chumash. It depends on whenever I finish counting Sviras Haimer. So it could be that Shavuos also again that's not the generally accepted sack, but the Shavuos also for me will be different." Uh, than everybody else. Perhaps, though, final uh, idea, perhaps this gives us an important uh, musar as we go into Shavuos, which is Man Matan Tarasenu. We're concluding uh, counting Sviras HaOmer, as we just uh, read last week, Parashas B'chukaisai, Shetu Amelim B'tayra, that perhaps we learn from here that Sviras HaOmer, Shavuos, Man Matan Tarasenu, is not a set time in the Chumash. There's no set time necessarily for Talmud Tarasenu. Whatever time we make, Whatever time we set aside for Torah, that's the time that becomes Zman Matan Torah Seinu. And so too in our own schedules, a lot of times there isn't time that's cut out, that's, you know, organically works out for Talmud Torah. It's only whatever time we cut, about, we, 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 we cut out of our schedules to make time to learn. And yet, Hashem, if we cut out the proper time, Kaveh Itim at the proper time, we'll be zeichet to accept the Torah fully and properly on the Yom of Shavuos. I wish you all good luck. <laughs> Well, astronaut is a different time. Yeah. Yeah.